Good morning, and welcome to episode 27 of Effectively Wild, the Baseball Prospectus Daily Podcast. Uh, the date is Thursday, August 23rd, and I, as usual, am in New York, New York, with the hum of a fan in the background, in Long Beach, California, with the crickets in the background. It's my co-host, Sam Miller. How are you today, Sam? Great, Ben. How are you doing? All right. Uh, so should we debut our new corrections, omissions, and errors segment? Yeah, sure. Sounds we'll uh, be a, like, a like a fun adventure. Yeah. Uh, so we'll we'll just keep it to our major screw-ups since this is intended to be a brief podcast. Um, and we'll start off with my screw-up from yesterday where... In, or after episode 25, I wrote about the Stephen Drew trade. And when I wrote about the Stephen Drew trade, Chris Owings was a Diamondbacks prospect in my head and on, on the page. And then by the time we recorded episode 26, he had morphed in my sleep-deprived brain into an athletics prospect, uh, which is how I referred to him on yesterday's podcast. And not one of you uh, called me on it via Twitter. Well, one, one person did. Not to me, though. Not to you. Yeah. You, you people have to, to call me on these things. I expect you to point out every slip of the tongue. And as far as omissions, I uh, omitted the incredible factoid that Barry Bonds is a career 429, 613, 976 hitter in uh, Pittsburgh uh, as a visiting player. That is a 976 slugging percentage and a 1589 OPS. This was apropos of nothing, and yet I regret omitting it. <laughs> okay. Uh, so what is your topic that we will try to discuss without messing up or omitting anything today? Um, I uh, want to talk about the Dan Heron joe Saunders trade, which might go down as the Tyler Skaggs trade in time. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, and I want to talk about... Derek Jeter and the Yankees, which is technically two topics, but I will allow it on the grounds that Derek Jeter is synonymous with the Yankees. Okay. We'll allow that too. Um, I thought about picking that, but I realized that I didn't have uh, probably much to say about Derek Jeter that um, hadn't been said before. So I I look forward to seeing what (laughs) you inspire me to say. Um, I'll start. Dan Heron, of course, was traded from the Diamondbacks to the Angels two years and one month ago for Joe Saunders, Tyler Skaggs, Patrick Corbin, and one of the Rodriguez relievers, I believe, Rich or something. Mm-hmm. I forget which one. There were a lot of Rodriguez's. We'll figure it out around. for tomorrow's omissions. So. <laughs> um and that trade, I don't remember many trades, uh, Vernon Wells' trade excluded, um, that were so unanimously uh, considered a victory for one team at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time, I was going back actually tonight and reading some of the things that I wrote and some of the things that other people wrote. And um, at the time, I remember um, uh, Matthew Carruth had to write the piece for Fangraphs defending the trade. And his defense was like, like in the first paragraph, he basically said there is no defense for this trade, and he, <laughs> it was really sort of, I felt bad for him. Um, Keith Law said that uh, sources in other front offices uh, that he talked to the unanimous response that this was a great deal for the Angels, a bad one for Arizona. Um, I uh, the uh, Arizona Republic 
said the deal drew immediate skepticism from those within baseball. That's the hometown newspaper, which is not um, the sort of criticism you usually see about a trade in the hometown newspaper the same day. I wrote that uh, from the Angels' perspective, it's not often that you get the most talent now and the most talent next year and the most talent the year after that and the most talent the year after that, but it appeared that that's what the Angels had done. Mm -hmm. And yet, amazingly, um, the trade um, hasn't worked out for the Angels. It it doesn't seem... um, I mean, they got a good year and a half out of Heron, and you might say that that was enough to justify the deal, but um, Heron has a 106 ERA plus since going to Anaheim. Joe Saunders has a 105 ERA plus since going to Arizona. There's about a 30-inning spread, so it's not huge. And, of course, Tyler Skaggs made his debut on Wednesday night and looks like he's going to be very good for a very long time. So um, I guess I don't really have a question. It's really just more a point of how difficult it is to to do anything in this sport, knowing how unpredictable everything is and knowing how difficult it is to – judge your team's needs it's also notable that the angels ended up trading for a starting pitcher who will um, possibly never start a postseason game for them um, with the angels having missed the last two years not looking like they're in a great spot this year and having a actual hard decision for whether to pick up heron's option for next year so uh it's it's just incredible how it turned out given how certain we were the day that it happened yeah and that snark really persisted for a while even over this previous offseason i remember people making jokes about how jerry depoto had set himself up because he was the guy who made that trade with the diamondbacks and Mm -hmm. he knew he was going to go to the angels and so he traded dan heron to himself in the future um and even i guess even before this season it still looked as if the Angels had gotten the best of it uh, because the the young pitchers hadn't yet arrived for Arizona and Heron hadn't yet had the bad season that he's had. Um, so I guess the tide has kind of turned only in 2012. Uh, but it does. It, yeah. yeah. It certainly has at the major league level. I, I'm kind of a believer that it's not really fair to judge a trade based on the outcome in a lot of cases mm-hmm. that, you know, we, it, you can't really judge Tyler Skaggs on whether he uh, develops into a three-time Cy Young Award winner or not, uh, as far as the trade goes, because everybody, I mean, he was not that when they traded him. He was a, uh, he was a very promising, projectable starter in low A ball at the time. And that's, I think that's what you give the Diamondbacks credit for getting, not necessarily getting um, what he turns out to be, unless you believe that they have a, a, a very significant scouting advantage over every other team in baseball, which right. probably isn't Maybe there was true. a so, lone Diamondback scout who saw his true potential when no one else did. Yeah, maybe there is, although I don't know. I don't know that there was a whole lot of disagreement about Skaggs' upside and, and risk at the time. I mean, I, I I'm just bringing this up because I also was a, a major contributor to the production of Snark uh, mm-hmm. as recently as um, uh, Jerry DePoto's hiring. And it, in it didn't help, I guess, that at the time, I remember DePoto sort of raved about Joe Saunders uh, and he, his proven His ability winner. to win. Yes, yeah. his winningness, um, which at the time seemed sort of like him just kind of trying to make the best of a salary dump and defend the deal 
that maybe he didn't even originate or wasn't his idea or maybe it came from above or something and mm-hmm. and so the best he could say was that Joe Saunders is a winner um, and so that kind of drew a lot of snark also uh, even though it it wasn't so much an example of DePoto not being able to value a player properly it was more just finding a way to say something positive about a trade but I I would suppose I would assume that he didn't expect it to pan out as well as it has for them either. Yeah, I think that's probably true. You know, truthfully, we didn't really know who Jerry Depoto was at the time. Mm-hmm. Some people did, certainly, but um, I didn't. I just knew he was an interim GM for yes, the Diamondbacks. Yes, I did they not know that he was a stat guy. To yeah, some exactly. And reading the, um, going back and reading some of those um, stories that ran the next day and reading his quotes, it really does seem kind of clear that um, that the primary point he was trying to make is that they had shed a lot of money and that was the that was their goal in the deal. And the fact that they got a couple young lefties was um, the obvious goal. I mean, it is somewhat notable that the Diamondbacks non-tendered Joe Saunders just this past offseason. So uh, it isn't as though Joe Saunders has been um, uh, the core of their, their team or anything like that. Mm. Anyway, that's all. So we should never pass judgment on anything because we'll probably be wrong. Probably. I feel bad for these guys that actually have to to do things, you know. (laughs) Uh, Well, I guess speaking of things that people on the Internet were wrong about, Derek Jeter has not really followed the depressing career trajectory that a lot of people, baseball prospectus authors included, uh, forecasted for him. There was sort of a sense that he was going to continue down a path that by this point in his career would probably make him more of a, a figurehead or uh, or a burden even. And instead he has turned things around after really a, a down year in 2010, which at the time he was 36, uh, he did not hit very well and it looked like that he was just really going to become a problem for the Yankees in that he is worth a lot off the field and obviously is very popular, but his production was not going to continue to justify uh, the contract that someone like Derek Jeter commands. And then he rebounded a bit last year, and this year he is really having the best year he's had uh, for a few years. And he hit his third home run or in, in three consecutive games uh, last night, which is something he had never done before. And he was treated to one of those unfounded uh, non-accusation accusations by Skip Bayless, who, who did the, you have to wonder how he's doing this, but I'm not saying he's doing anything, one of those. Um, and so I, I guess it's just, it's something that we were pretty wrong about because it it seemed you know there were very few shortstops who had managed to remain at anything like this level at his age and it seemed like he was not going to be the exception and he is I don't know that there's that much more to say about it but maybe we'll have something uh, it seems to me uh, 
to I mean I don't want to turn this into a taking away from Jeter's season thing. Uh, this is a small point, but it seems to me that the shortstop thing is kind of a red herring, right? I mean, what keeps most players from playing shortstop effectively into their late 30s is that they can't maintain the the defensive skill there, and uh, Jeter can't either. Mm-hmm. As you and I were talking about a couple of days ago, Jeter's career <laughs> defense <laughs> continues. I mean, he's he's given back about 25 wins in yes. defense alone, according to most metrics. He is um, on pace to be worth about 25 runs or 20 run between 20 and 30 runs uh, below average this year. And uh, so the shortstop thing is kind of like, you know, okay, that's cute, but mm-hmm. I mean, he's not he's not really succeeding at shortstop. He's succeeding at at hitter, mm-hmm. and um, and and it is shocking and kind of awesome. Um, I, I yeah, I mean, uh, I, this is going to also take it in a weird place, but it makes me wonder whether Michael Young is um, being given up on too soon because mm-hmm. in, a, in, a, in a way those two guys kind of remind me of each other a little bit they're both um, guys with average power um, or a little worse who succeed by having um, good babips using the whole field good bat control uh, being theoretically being smart hitters um, and you know I think everybody's giving up on Michael Young right now and it probably wouldn't shock me if he came back next year and was an, a league average hitter or better. Because um, this is kind of the second time around for people giving up on Michael Young, isn't it? Well, and this is this. Well, I think it's the second time around for people giving up on Jeter. Mm-hmm. In 2008, he hit 300, but his power was way down. Um, and he had really the worst year of his career, or, or I guess certainly the worst year since his rookie year, maybe the worst year of his career. And he was 34, and we had this same conversation about Jeter, and then he came back the next year, and he had um, one of the best years of his career and finished third in MVP voting. And then, you know, it was back down a little the next year, and then it was down further or something like that. I'm not sure how well I remember this. But um, I I guess the point just is is that if you're a BABIP guy, which both of those guys are, and and Jeter is one of the, the the greatest BABIP guys ever, mm-hmm. you're going to have some fluctuation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I wanted to say about the Yankees is that I was reading something on Baseball Musings, David Pinto's blog, where he did a post on the Yankees game last night. Uh, Chicago beat them behind Chris Sale striking out everyone and swept them. And he said the Yankees division lead over Tampa Bay is down to three. And New York is starting to approach a big collapse. So I wonder if this is going to become a narrative in the coming days uh, that the Yankees have collapsed in some way, that they've squandered a big lead. And I don't know how accurate that would be if it does become a thing, in that they certainly have lost a big chunk of their lead in the East, but it's more because Tampa Bay is having an incredible month than it is the Yankees really blowing it. Uh, Tampa Bay, I think, is 15 and five in August, and the Yankees are now 12 and nine. So they're not exactly falling apart. Um, and I don't know whether, I mean, with the the 2000 Yankees kind of blew a lead and and backed into the playoffs, having lost a bunch in September. And then ended up winning the World Series anyway. And so the question was, did they 
get complacent and start coasting because everyone assumed they were going to win the division. Uh, I guess you could speculate the same thing about the Yankees in that they have appeared to have had the division locked up for a while now. Uh, but I don't know. It doesn't seem to me that, that there's any great choke going on here. It's more a question of the, the team behind them really turning it on. Um, and, and also they did get some news about Ivan Nova having a shoulder problem and, and missing at least one start. It looks like possibly going on the DL. So, there is still, as we talked about in a in a previous episode, some uncertainty about their rotation with Sabathia and Pettit and Nova all out at the moment, although Sabathia should be back Friday and Pettit should be back not too long after that. Well, thank goodness, because there's nothing that's harder to live with than a uh, less than full-strength Yankees yes. franchise. no one wants to see that. Well, this has been episode 27. We kind of covered three topics, which you did a little bit. Uh, we will be back on Friday with our final show of the week.